the title of this message is the community of the Spirit of God. The community of the Spirit of God. You know, in our society, there are communities that you can join. Uh, I think it was several years ago, Ronnie used to be a part of the uh, Home Builders Association. And they would, you know, people that are in the construction work, they would meet together and share ideas and concepts. And it's really, it's, it's a group of professionals and uh, sharing their skills and know-how together. There's uh, musicians, communities of musicians that, that's, again, that you can join and if you play a musical instrument, you can uh, share your talents and your abilities with one another and talk about different types of instruments and whatever it may be. And then, of course, you might have less, what I call lesser communities like uh, bikers communities and I guess there you maybe share your your tattoo with one <laughs> look at this look at what I got <laughs> you know Harley Davidson there there are communities of bikers and and there's there's a goal wing they have their own get-together goal wing is a mo motorcycle by the way it's a it's a Honda motorcycle but they have their communities their clubs that they meet together and go on rides together then there's other kind of types of communities like hobbies, uh, these model airplanes. We did a job for a man that flew these things and, and he actually, some of those things were big. I didn't realize how big they were. Even some of the little jets that you can fly. And of course they have their get-togethers and they meet together and they talk about their different skills and talents and all that stuff. So it's, it's a, a community is a place where you share your talents, ideas, skills, it is a group of usually professionals, and you share your knowledge, your wisdom of one another. Now, I sometimes think that, that with communities, a lot of times we say, well, I don't have time to get involved in that. I'm too busy already to invest in any, you know, any community. You know, when you join a community of people with experience, you save time, you would have wasted going in the wrong direction. Think about that one. You, you save time that you might have wasted by trying the wrong thing. And in this community, they can tell you, no, don't, don't go down that road. That's not going to work. And so they can keep us from wasting our time. It's been said you will get out of a community what you put into it. And that's very true. A community is simply a tool that you can use to, you know, better yourself instead of wasting time. Often in these communities, you share things that, you know, only you think you've dealt with. And you find out by sharing that, well, no, there's other people that have gone through the exact same thing. Now, the Church of God is a community. We have a community here of believers. And often, some of the same things apply. Sometimes we think, well, I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to go to church, whatever. Uh, I don't have time to invest in that. And yet, you think about it, the church, one of the reasons for a community like this is, is, as I said earlier, so that you don't go down the wrong direction, so that you don't waste time. And you figure out, hey, this will work. This will not work. And so we share things with one another. I think with church as a community, you will get in, you will get out of church what you put into it. You know. So if you're not getting anything out of church, it's probably because you're not putting in anything into it. 
And often we find out that when we share things that only, you know, I think, okay, I'm the only one going through this. We find out that no, no, it's, it's your, you know, it's a common problem that all people share or have gone through. And they can help and encourage you. Now, in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, I want to turn there because it gives us a description of this community called the Church of God. It's a good, good description of the church and why we are here. In Ephesians 4 and verse 11, it starts out by saying, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Now, why did he do this? Well, it answers the question. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now that's, that's, that's a mouthful right there because it, that reveals the end goal uh, far as one of the reasons the church exists. Until we come unto that perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Notice that everybody has their part in this church, in this community of believers. Every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So the church is a very important aspect of a, in a Christian's life, to have this community where we can go, where we can meet, where we can encourage, where we can build up one another. But I want to talk about what I call the greater community that we can be a part of. And Often we don't think about the results of this, and that is that greater community is the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in your life. I call it the greater of all, the greatest, or the greater community of, of Spirit-led, you know, being led by the leadership of the Spirit. You don't have to turn there, but Romans 8 and verse 9, that last little part says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You ever ask the question, why does God place such emphasis on the Spirit of God? Because that's, that's pretty powerful right there. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he is not a part of the community. He's not a part. You know, he's, he's on the outside maybe looking in, but he's not a part of the community. Now, I do want to say this. What a person can do without the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, a person can look very religious, okay? Without the Spirit of God, a person can go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday. Without the Spirit of God, a person can lead a, a service, can sing in the choir, can... In other words, you can go through all kinds of religious activity and yet still not have the Spirit of God. And that's disturbing for some people. Because you think, well, why, why would a person want to go through all that? Well... You know, the motive there can be, there are many motives. I've often asked myself the question, why, why do people go to church? 
as I look at the world at, of, of Christianity around me, I've often, often asked that question. Why? What motivates, what drives a person to go to church? Remember one time I was at Indiana Bojangles and, and it was at that big tent church up here in the, I can't think of the words, yeah. And I was eating my breakfast or what lunch or whatever and the, the parking lot was filling up and this, this guy, this couple got out of the car and she was dressed nicely and he was, he was all dressed in a cowboy hat, cowboy boots. And his whole demeanor said, I don't want to be here. You know, sometimes you can read people's body language and their body language speaks volume. And his whole body language said, this is the last place I want to be. I'd rather be roping cows or something, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but he was authentic, by the way. He felt like a cowboy and he was going to dress like a cowboy, even though he's going to church. Uh, so that, that's good. <laughs> but, I've, you know, I've often thought, what, what is it that drives people to... Now, in his case, I know. He was pleasing his wife. <laughs> of course. But, uh, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But sometimes I think, you know, it's a way that people can compensate. You know... When one area is lacking, we overachieve with religious activity to make up for the character inadequacies that we maybe have. And sometimes church can be a place where we just cover over those inadequacies. We put on enough makeup to cover over that. And we never really deal with or overcome, as the Bible says, the inadequacies. But we look good in church. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of what, what, what drives people to go to church can be many things. But uh, the place you start with God is not church. I'm going to look at the place you start with God. A lot of people are shocked by that statement. Well, what do you mean? Of course it's the place you start with God. I, I'm trying to write a book now entitled how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. It's an enormous task. It really is. You know how you do it? You write every day. You discipline yourself to write every single day. That's how you, that's how you write a book. But anyway, I think it's, it's going to be good for such a time as this. Because, you know, America's churches, they are sick. And uh, we need to go back to the basics of having a true relationship with God. Okay, where do you start with God? Now, you know this, but we're going to rehearse it. As, Acts 2 and verse 37. This is, you don't start in church, you start right here. Acts 2 and verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And I sometimes wonder, how do you get people to come to that point where they're asking, what do, I, what, what do I need to do? I want to show me what I need to do. I'm not sure how you get to that point. Well, I do know. I mean, God has to call you, of course. He has to bring you to conviction of sin. That's how you get to that point. But sometimes I think, is there anything I could say? Is there a message I could give that would bring a person to that point where they would say, okay, what do I need to do? Not sure what that is. But anyway, look at this. Then Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is where you start with God. 
repentance. Repent of what? Repent of sin. What is sin? The breaking of God's law. 1 John 3, 4. The breaking of God's law, including the fourth one. We all understand that. But that needs to be said, including the fourth one. <clears throat> and you shall receive the gift of the Spirit of God. Something that I think sometimes occurs in our society of religion is this. It's almost as if the longer, sometimes the longer a person has been in church, the less likely they are of ever getting around to doing this. In other words, if you look at how some people come into church, they, you know, they, maybe they get a little bit long in the tooth and they say, I need some religion. I think I'll get me some religion. And they start going, they choose a church of their choice. They start going there. Before you know it, they've been there 20 or 30 years. And they never get around to that point, this point. Acts 2.38. It's almost like it's bypassed. Repent. Repent of your sin. Receive, accept Christ as your personal Savior. Receive the Spirit of God. But I've been in church for 40 years. But I've never made that decision. You know, people drift along in churches. They really do. They drift and they just, you know, they never make this, this, this critical step right here. And it's sad because this is the most important message that can be preached. And that is why a person needs the Spirit of God. Why a person needs the Spirit of God. Now let's consider, okay, once we receive the Spirit of God, let's consider this community of the Spirit of God, how it works. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10 tells us some fascinating things about having the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10. Okay. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. There it is, by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Think about that. Now that you have God's Spirit, the mind of Christ, God's spiritual DNA, it searches the deep things about God, what God is doing, what God expects, what God wants from you. It searches the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in, in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world. Now that little statement, Okay, when you're baptized, you receive the Spirit of God. You know, most of us, before we do that, we were consumed by the Spirit of the world. You couldn't help it, really, when you think about it. I mean, it was just there. You just, you grew up in it. And it's, it's the world has its own religion. The Spirit of the world has its own religion. It's got, you know, it's all, all, everything that you look around you. So you're consumed by this, the Spirit of the world. But... You've, you've, you've not received the spirit of the world now, but you've received the spirit which is of God that we may know the things which are freely given to us of God. And what are some of those things that are given to us? Well, your potential is one, uh, through the spirit of God, your potential to be uh, a, potential, a potential child of God. It's fascinating when you think about it. A new body, spiritual body. We talked earlier about 
at least I was talking about, we're getting old. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a new body, a spiritual body with no aches, no pains, and there's some th cool things I like about the idea of a spirit body, like traveling at the speed of thought, uh, <laughs> visiting the other side of the universe. Man, I got a lot of places. You know, when I first got my driver's license, I would drive places and I wasn't going anywhere. I mean, I would just, I would just drive to be driving because I could drive. When this time comes, I'm going to be checking out everything about God <laughs> and what he has created. <clears throat> okay. Um, which things also, verse 13, we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teach, but that which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to, uh, with spiritual. But the natural man, notice this, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. discerned. So that sort of answers the question sometimes, why, you know, how do you get a p person to respond to the message of God? Well, this tells us that the natural man can't do it. He can't respond. It's, it would be like, you know, I mentioned these communities earlier. It would be like, take, think of one of those communities that I mentioned that you're just not interested in, like maybe the biker community, comparing tattoos, you know, you think, or maybe you go to one of these communities of model airplanes and you're listening to them, all these guys sit around and talk about it and all the technology, and you think, I don't care about any of that stuff. You know, well, that's, that's sort of how the natural man, trying to understand God, you know, he doesn't care because he's natural. I mean, it's, it's, it, he doesn't, he's, he's void of the spirit of God. It's foolishness to him. This is all so much foolishness. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yea, himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And notice this statement, but we have the mind of Christ. Wow. God's spirit, God's spiritual DNA referred to as we have the mind of Christ. How does it work? Because you think about it, you cannot see the spirit, you cannot smell the Spirit, although some people claim you can, but <laughs> not just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, you cannot touch or feel <laughs> the Spirit. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you think about, okay, what happened? You know, what happened to you at your baptism? You know, you, you repented of your sin. You accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You went down in the water, buried the old man. You come up, and they lay hands on you. And they say, God, the minister might say something, God, this person stands before you clean. Give this person a portion of your spirit. And that's the moment of conception. That's the moment of conception. You enter into the community of the spirit of God. And I just think that we take this for granted. What you have, what we have. I don't think we fully realize what we've been given access to. Spirit of God. Now let's notice some things that Paul said that I think it's these, these little comments are somewhat fascinating how the Spirit of God worked in his life. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 3. This is a particular problem in the church of Corinth. 
a sin was being committed, fornication, I believe. And he writes, uh, and of course he's dealing with this church through letters. He says this, uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 3, For verily as absent in the body but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I was present concerning him that has done this deed. You know, that's sort of a, you know, I'm not there, but I know what needs to be done. Throw this guy out of the church. It was, well, actually, that's what happened, but they invited him back in in 2 Corinthians uh, after that. But he was an unrepentant sinner. So, but, it, you know, he says, look, I'm absent in the body, but present in the spirit. And this is what, all, what needs to be. It was through the community of the spirit. Sure, Paul heard the story. He read the letters. But he also had another source of wisdom that Paul depended on. And that is that spirit of God, the community of God's spirit. You know, if you think about it, you've had certain things happen to you. Like, I'll give you an example. I was visiting a church one time, and I just didn't like the spirit that was there. You know, it was a us-them, we're, we're got all the truth, the world out there is dying, you know, and poor pitiful them, and it was, just, it was a self-righteous spirit that I, and it didn't even feel right. You know, it, it was, had a feel to it. As I sit there in a group similar to this, you know, and you could pick up on it. What is that? Well, it's the Spirit working through you, revealing certain things, truth. You ever, you ever met a person, maybe in business, and you think, I just don't trust that person. You know, I don't trust that person as far as I can spit. You know, I just, I don't trust that person. All right, where does that come from? You don't know the person, really. Yeah, it comes from above comes from above, through the Spirit of God. And so I'm thinking we should probably lean on this a little bit more. Colossians 2 and verse 5, here's another statement that Paul makes. <clears throat> Colossians 2 and verse 5. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Again, through the Spirit, the community of God's Spirit, he knew that things were right in this particular church. And sometimes, you, you know, you ever just feel like, hey, this is good, this is right. There's something you feel about a situation, and you know it's good, you know it's right, and it is right. <clears throat> Let's take a look at Revelation 4 and verse 4. This sort of reveals that God has his own community of elders Revelation 4 and verse 4 and round about the throne were four and twenty seats and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold you know God has his community of whatever you want to call it counselors of the spirit who I think have our best interests Think about this. In, in this 24 elders of counselors or whatever, does your name ever come up? I think it does. What are we going to do with David? You know, which way is he going? How are we going to use him? You know? The unseen spirit world that is God's. Now there's another spirit world that I don't really want to talk about. The evil spirit. But the unseen spirit world of God, there's a lot that goes on there, I believe. And yeah, I think your name comes up sometimes. I'm quite sure it does. So, if God's Spirit 
the God's Spirit being in you, you are a part of God's community. We have the community of the church here. We have the community of the Spirit, God. And sometimes, you know, have you ever been, maybe, I don't know if this is self-inflicted, like overwhelmed with correction? You know, maybe someone did correct you and, 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 and another person says something. And then you're hearing another, and you think, well, I don't know, I think he's correcting me too. And, you know, it's almost like it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm sick of it. <laughs> if I hear one more thing. <laughs> uh, I think when we get like it, always consult God's spirit. God, are you correcting me? There's a lot of voices out there. A lot of people will take in hand to correct you. They're not always right. They're not always right, by the way. But say, God, are you correcting me? Because sometimes it can be overwhelming this correction from God or man. I was listening to a program recently and actually where I got the idea about this message, he was talking about the importance of being involved in a community of like-minded people. And I thought about the church and I thought about what he was illustrating and he said something about, he said, you know, a lot of times if you're a non-sociable person, you don't want to join a community of people because you, you know, and I thought, oh boy, He's stepping on toes here, and I'm not, I'm not a very sociable person. And I'm thinking, oh boy, I'm, oh Lord, I'm not sociable. Woe is me. And, uh, <clears throat> but it hit me all of a sudden that, that the most important community that you could possibly ever be in is the community of the Spirit of God, having that Spirit and, and listening to that community, the leadership of that spirit that's the most important one you can be in community that is the, of the spirit of God so pay attention to that listen for the leadership of the spirit look for direction from God learn to trust learn to trust the leadership of God's spirit